Southeast Radio's morning mix. Chat, news, and your views. Alan Corcoran. I'm joined by Padder Tobin from A2. Good morning to you, Padder. Good morning. Padder, just, uh, I just read out a text there from Joanne, and before we move into the main talking point that you're concerned about, which is the number of GP referrals to rapid access clinics, where are we from an into perspective at the moment, from a personal perspective, where are we with all of this? Because Joanne's text kind of reflects what a lot of people are thinking at the moment. Well, we believe that the government's um, policy is not working with regards to COVID. Uh, right now, the government have a, a system whereby anybody with COVID can go into a hotel, um, a pub or a restaurant, um, and they won't be stopped. It's fully legal for that to happen. Uh, and yet a person without uh, COVID uh, who has had a rapid uh, antigen test or a PCR test is refused access into the same places. Um, and you know it does not make sense. It's absolutely illogical. And I actually think that the government's policy currently is adding to the problem. Um, it, it is a dangerous policy that they're, they're pursuing. Uh, we need to be able to differentiate between people who have COVID and who haven't COVID. That's not happening at the moment. The way to do that is antigen testing. Uh, and it's just, it is so frustrating that the government has spoken about antigen testing solidly for about 13 or 14 months now and yet refuse to make it widespread. So for example in countries like Denmark uh, they introduced a COVID pass which included antigen testing uh, and they provided those antigen tests for free, uh, professionally carried out. People got them before they went to restaurants and pubs. They were able to open up uh, society as a result of it. They didn't discriminate between uh, one set of citizens and another and they have far less COVID cases than Ireland does and far less deaths. You know, right now we have a very scary situation where people are being discriminated against. Like, I'm a Republican. The idea of a republic is that all citizens are equal uh, and that civil rights are inalienable. They're not granted by anybody. They're as of a right. And yet we have a, a government now that's slowly eroding a section of society. I had a, a woman contact me saying that she was looking to bring her kids to a, a, a theatre um, and she basically said she would get a PCR test. She'd actually get a European travel cert, which would prove she hasn't got uh, COVID. And they said, no, she must have a vaccine cert, which doesn't prove she hasn't got COVID. Um, I know of children who can't go to a Santa, a Santa uh, visits uh, at the moment. Young people who can't participate in youth orchestras uh, or, or college societies uh, because they haven't got a COVID pass. We're getting into a really dangerous situation where a section of society are having their civil rights being taken away from them. Mm. And if it worked, there'd be an argument for it, but it's not working. Uh, it's actually clearly not working. Uh, and we're calling, AIM2 is the only party that's calling this out, and we're calling on the government to introduce antigen tests uh, uh, and stop discriminating against people. Right, uh, strong stuff there, which um, I think on the basis of what you've just said to me will not just go local, but go national. But uh, look, let's go on to the other area that you and I are going to discuss now. This is the number of GP referrals to rapid access clinics. And your major concerns are about, in particular, cancer, because you've been on your own journey that maybe you'll share with us as well. But uh, up 26% in pre-pandemic figures. Can you highlight exactly what your concerns are uh, in this particular area, please? Yeah, so... so Cancer is, unfortunately, uh, and tragically, the biggest killer uh, in the country. At least 45,000 people get cancer every year. Um, and we, ha- we know that about 9,000 people lose their lives to cancer on an annual basis. Um, so it, is, it should be 
a priority for this government to tackle cancer, to make sure people are diagnosed in time and treated in time. If those two things happen, people's uh, chances of survival are far higher. So obviously COVID has had a big impact on, on cancer treatment uh, in many ways. First of all, in people who have you know, decided not to uh, get uh, diagnosed or to, you know, who are scared of going into hospitals for operations or uh, for diagnosis. Um, but secondly, capacity has collapsed with regards to delivery of treatments for cancer and for diagnosis over this time. Aintu put a, a parliamentary question in there recently when we found out that there was 60,000 less um, um, cancer screenings um, last year than there was pre-COVID. So um, a large section of society are not having their cancers caught in time. And we warned back as far as 18 months ago that if this was to continue, what we would see would be more advanced cancers, uh, more invasive cancers, and more life-threatening cancers. And indeed, a parliamentary question that I received this week showed that there's a 20%, uh, 26% increase in the, lo the level of GP referrals to rapid uh, cancer clinics uh, throughout the country. Um, and I, I think this is only the start of it. Um, we're going to see people uh, who have serious battles on their hands because of you know um, uh, reluctance to go to hospital or to doctors, but also because of reduced uh, cancer treatment. I know from talking to one consultant, he said that his capacity has reduced by uh, two-thirds, um, so he reckons that his lists are now three times longer as a result of the restrictions. And here COVID uh, antigen tests come in uh, to play as well, because if they were to introduce you know, people taking antigen tests for hospital treatments and diagnosis, etc., it wouldn't have the same uh, reduction in capacity levels uh, as we have what okay. we have seen. Uh, so you mentioned can, can I stop you there, Patter? Because of a comment yeah. coming in on, on on foot of what you just said about antigen testing, a mm. listener has just said, I, "I don't think antigens are accurate enough to rely on." My sister-in-law was due to travel on holiday and needed a negative PCR to travel. She did antigen tests Saturday, Sunday, and Monday and Tuesday. They were all negative. She did the PCR on Wednesday, and that was positive. Well, absolutely. The antigen test is not as uh, accurate as a PCR. Now, I'm not sure of the particular situation that that person was in. They could, could have easily picked up the, um, the COVID in, in the later timescale uh, of that. But the key point of this is vaccine passes are not accurate. So every day in restaurants and pubs and, and, and clubs, people with the vaccine pass are, are catching um, uh, COVID. Uh, many of them are, you know, catching it seriously or going to hospital. Um, to be honest, the government didn't see this coming, and, and I don't blame the government on this. Most people thought that vaccines would have a significant impact on stopping transmission of the illness. Um, now, there's no doubt that the vaccine is very successful in reducing the impact of the illness. Yeah. You're far less likely to have a severe case of COVID if you're vaccinated. You're far less likely to go to hospital uh, or to, to thank, uh, thankfully pass uh, if you have a vaccine. But it's not as successful, unfortunately, as we had hoped in relation to stopping transmission. So the vaccine pass is not an accurate way to tell if a person has COVID or not. It is simply not. And are you as a party opposed to the vaccine? Have a text in from... No, no. And yeah. And this is important because sometimes people confuse these two. I am I'm vaccinated. Uh, we're not in any way opposed to the vaccine. We believe that all adults should make up their minds in relation to the vaccine themselves. Mm. 
what we're opposed to is the discrimination on the basis that the, the, the idea that the vaccine stops transmission of the illness. So I think, I think most people would know now that the, the vaccine doesn't stop transmission of the illness. It may reduce it. Uh, a person may be less likely tra- to transmit or to receive it if they're vaccinated, but only marginally uh, from an unvaccinated person. How sure can you be, Patter, that it doesn't stop it? Because, I mean, I've had my own experience from last week or 10 days, 12, 14 days ago or 15 days ago as it is now, is that a family member who got it uh, and we were all, the rest of us were vaccinated and thankfully on this occasion, and I say on this occasion because any of us could pick it up any time, we didn't get it. And, and this was after se- uh, two PCR tests and several antigen tests. So, like, there are people who yeah, really so disagree with you and believe that the vaccine does. Uh, I mean, it's well, a jury. I don't think yeah, Neffet are not even claiming that tra- okay. the vaccine stops transmission. There's, there's no scientist in the country that's claiming that the vaccine stops transmission. Um, you know, a significant proportion of people in hospital currently uh, with COVID are vaccinated. Uh, a significant number of people in ICU hmm. with, with COVID are vaccinated. Now, again, just to reiterate this in case there's any confusion, the vaccine helps uh, in, in many ways. It is, it is a great benefit to the country. If right. the country wasn't vaccinated to the level that it is now, yeah. those COVID rates that we have would be far more severe in terms of mortality and morbidity. So the vaccine has alleviated a significant proportion of the damage that COVID does. But what I'm saying is, and what every scientist admits, is the vaccine doesn't stop fully transmission. Okay. It doesn't stop fully the, the, the illness being picked up by a vaccinated person. And it doesn't, in, in some cases, stop the damage that it does. So what I'm saying is that the vaccine pass doesn't determine whether a person has the illness All or right. not. I, I need to just get a final comment from you for the moment, but you've been on your own cancer journey. How are you and, and what happened to you? Yeah, well, thankfully, I'm, I'm, I'm in good shape. Um, I just when COVID started, uh, I, like many other people, I noticed that I had a, I had a, a, a bump on the very top of my head um, about the size of a fingernail. It was a kind of a, a scab that just wasn't healing. I do a bit of gardening in my spare time, so I figured that I might have clocked my head against a branch or something, but uh, it just wasn't going. Uh, and because of, obviously, the first lockdown, I probably figured that, you know, my, this little bump at the top of my head is not very serious compared to the pressures that the health, the health service is under and the doctors. So I didn't go probably for about two months or three months um, um, when I should have. Uh, when the lockdown lifted, I had a brother uh, who's actually a professor in, in uh, cell biology. And, you know, it was the first time we'd met because of restrictions. He saw it. He said, get to the doctor fast. I went to the doctor. And unfortunately, I found out it was melanoma, which is obviously this, a, a serious form of uh, skin cancer um, and as a result um, you know we I had to start, start treatments they've they took a chunk out of the top of my head at first the size of a two euro coin um, and then they realized that that wasn't enough and then they took a, a chunk at the size of a the palm of my hand uh, out of the top of my head and um, I got a skin graft right. put in place so right now I have that healing slowly on the top of my head right. um, I, my, my kids tell me that my it looks like my head is caved in and sometimes it feels like that but um, the thankfully it looks like there's it hasn't spread uh, at all so what I would say to any of your listeners if you have a lump a bump uh, a pain uh, or anything that's unusual uh, in your your skin or, or anywhere else in your body do not hesitate 
make sure that you go and get a, a, a doctor's appointment to find out what that's likely to be. Um, yeah. The quicker that something is diagnosed, the quicker that it's treated, the more successful it is in relation to uh, fixing. There are problems with the health service at the moment with regards not enough services being there. AIM2 is campaigning to, to, to lift the, the level of services there. It, it's, it's amazing. We, we found out statistics recently that showed you're more likely to survive in other countries two, five years after getting a cancer diagnosis than in Ireland. And shockingly, you're more likely to survive if you go to a private hospital than a public hospital uh, in this country if you get a, a cancer diagnosis. Both those statistics are shockingly wrong, and we're going to fight tooth and nail to make sure that everybody gets equal treatment in this country, and we have as, as good as, as if not better than treatment in other countries. Southeast Radio's Morning Mix. Chat, news, and your views.